bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to Star Talk. Your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist at the American Museum of Natural History right here in New York City, where I also serve as director of the Hayden Planetarium. So the universe is my thing. Today, I have in studio one of my favorite co-hosts, Chuck Nice. Hey. Chuck. Welcome back, man. What's happening? All right. Good to see you, man. You're tweeting at Chuck Nice Comic. That's right. You got a TV show That's where you just invade people's homes. Yes, that is correct. That's out of control, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm hoping people will invade the show and watch it on HGTV. Uh, home Strange Home, Friday nights. Home Strange Home. <laughs> on HGTV. Where you go in and just call people's stuff out. Yes, that's right. People I can't sh- even, the home is not even sacred anymore. No, it is not. Damn. Not as long as I'm around. Guys, like I said, if you come to my house, I'm not letting you in. That's what windows are for, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Liu, colleague, friend, professor of astrophysics, CUNY. Thanks for coming on to the my show. My pleasure. Always You're a pleasure. man about the cosmic knowledge, and I bring you for all these emergency cases where, in this case, we've got, we're featuring an interview with Alan Rickman, the actor. Ah, Severus Snape. Yes, Snape. <laughs> Snape. We will so do Harry Potter in the next few segments. So, and you're like, you brought... You, this is my daughter's, okay? Oh, I, yeah, uh-huh. I, yeah. Uh-huh. Look, I, I will admit, uh-huh. I will admit, I did read this one from cover to cover, but this was the only one I read cover uh-huh. to cover. Yeah, but yeah. Yes, keep telling Anna yourself that. But yes, the true expert in that <laughs> No question about it. Well, I had a whole conversation with Alan Rickman just about science, what role science has played in his life. He didn't do well on his early physics test, but we would later learn that other aspects of the physical world would intrigue him. Let's check out for a segment with Alan Rickman, find out what, he, what makes him tick cosmically. We have on good rumor that that you love roller coasters. Is that really true? Very true. It is true. That was uh, Cheryl Madaloni posted that on our Facebook, wanted me to ask you about that. See, to the to the amusement park enthusiast, it's a, it's a thrill ride. But in physics, it is a major physics experiment going on. I'm sure. Oh, oh we love it. It's, it's physics 101 writ large. Yeah. Two things correlate, which surely you know just as an enthusiast. The highest point of a roller coaster determines, essentially determines, the fastest point you will ever, the fastest speed you will ever reach on that roller coaster. Because it's all Even about... I can understand. <laughs> okay. It's all about energy. That's all it is. So the machine 
the, the cables are lifting you from the ground level up to the high point. They're giving you what's called gravitational potential energy. And you're up there and you, you don't feel any different. But if you fell, you would die when you hit the ground because all that energy got converted to kinetic energy. So it's this balance between potential energy and kinetic energy. And so when I look at any amusement park, I look for the roller coaster that has the highest spot. I go straight to that because I know that'll get me the highest speeds. Plus, <laughs> you calculate. <laughs> you got to do the, Get a physics friend to do this for you. You can calculate what speed is required for the, the cars to go completely upside down and not fall out of the circle. I've done that. There, there's a speed. Yeah. I mean, below a certain speed, you, you don't make it. <laughs> or if you've ever been an English fairground has a thing called a rotor. Have you ever been on no, one no. of those? No, no. Oh, it was just the... the just you, you, and it pins you to the yes, wall. Yes, right? yes. That, but hmm. that's... <laughs> well, then as, you, as it slows down, you start sliding down Right, the wall, right. So, so the centrifugal forces are good. Is that similar? Uh, that's, no, that's not, it's not. It's another physics principle. Right. So what's happening is this wall is presses more and more against you, and you, it's, it's the centrifugal force. You have the tendency to want to fly off, but the wall is in the way, and so you press against each other, and you're just stuck. And you can't even lift your arm off. And I always worried, suppose I got sick, and then I had to throw up. <laughs> it would, you can't, because... <laughs> This, this worries me. That's you have bad, to like, turn... That's a bad thought to put in my head. Just, but I think this through. So what you do is you, you yeah. turn sideways and you throw up and then it goes off at a tangent. Thank you. Yeah, right. just <laughs> evidence for this. <laughs> no, so roller coasters are like fundamental mm -hmm. uh, physics problems and interesting. So your favorite one in the world, just so I know? Um, I just love uh, the old, the, the big old wooden one. The old ones, yeah. Magic Mountain. That's just beautiful. The rickety ones that... It's not too rickety. In the old ones, though, you they were not so smooth that you know you'd end up jiggling left and right as well as sort of forward and back, and so there's they feel a little more dangerous instead of these other ones where you know what I don't like about the new ones when they bank the turn the gondola ends up swinging outward at an angle, oh, yeah. so that the the force vector is still straight into your butt. You never feel a side to side motion because it swings you like this. And uh, most people don't know this. In the last ten years or so, airplanes the computer turns the airplane in the air right now. If it's got to make a left turn... Another horrible thought. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. No, this is cool. Watch. And it's just like what goes on in the roller coaster. So mm. you're in the airplane and your, your liquid is horizontal in your glass. Mm -hmm. And then the airplane wants to turn left. Well, if it didn't bank and all it did was turn left, then you would be pushed to the side right. like you're turning a car right. and the liquid would go over the edge. So what the plane does is it banks itself right. so that all the forces going sideways compensate for that radius of curvature and you could turn you can make a u-turn in an airplane and your liquid remains stable and you don't even tip the computers but do. it has the computer hasn't worked out what to do with turbulence yet then has it because uh, there's your red wine all over you <laughs> <laughs> correct however if you we don't remember because we don't carry it with us the susceptibility of planes to turbulence of decades past so they, it was a much rockier road sure. back in the old days. Now there's micro adjustments of the aileron, aileron flaps that the computers make to keep some level of stability. I don't think anyone, when was the last time you actually spilled liquid from turbulence? It hasn't happened. I bet it hasn't happened, like, ever. That would be the measure of how much the plane is controlling. I've definitely spilled liquid on a plane. <laughs> 
Yeah, so you tell me why, why you did You spill he... liquid because you're holding it while the plane is banking. If you actually put it on the tray, it's much less likely to go. Yeah. But since you're holding it, your whole arm is moving separately beyond the ability for the airplane to control. So the train's moving and then you're, so you got an extra yeah, so got degree of freedom extra, there. That's the right word. Yeah. yeah, that's why you spill. It's your fault. It's not the plane's fault. I spill it because I'm drunk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, you drink more on planes than I do. This but no, I, I think now I will always remember that every time I'm riding a modern roller coaster, the force vector goes up my butt. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, that's just crazy. It is, it, because they, they bank it around and you don't, it's no longer a side-to-side -side motion. It's straight down. It's straight down all, at all times. Which would explain why I keep crapping myself on <laughs> roller coasters. That's actually I, a I'm so show. not going to the amusement yeah, yeah. park with you. <laughs> there, there is now actually even one or two roller coasters, including one I think at Universal Studios, where you get launched before you actually get the drop. You're actually on your way up, and they give you an extra force vector, so you actually have more of more a drop. Speed more speed at the top, as though it was a higher That's drop. Right. So okay. you're adding potential energy and kinetic energy on the drop at the same time. Yeah, so so I was also on the, the one that accelerates the fastest. It's zero to 60 in like two and a half seconds. Wow. And that, that's, that's the head jolt right there. So it's really good physics. And when we come back to Star Talk Radio, more with my interview with Alan Rickman, we'll see you. Star Talk Radio, and I'm here with my comedic co-host, Chuck Nice. Hey, Chuck, doing TV lately? Yes, sir. That means you're not doing stand-up. Uh, you know, I still do stand-up. You still got to earn your cred. I still do it All right, whenever just, I can. I'm just saying. I'm on stage. Just don't get me started there. A real stage tonight. <laughs> tonight? Excellent. Yes. Excellent. I'll find. And so, Charles, you're also tweeting, but not Charles Lou. Was there another Charles Lou? No, but when I was a kid, my friends called me Chuck. So, therefore, you're Chuck Lou. Chuck Liu, C-H-U-C-K, L-I-U. Chuck tweeting just education things, science stuff, fun stuff. Yeah, nothing too detailed. You won't know what I ate for breakfast. We'll look for you there. And by the way, Star Talk is available in three ways. We're on the Nerdist Network of the YouTube of YouTube channels, and so find us there. We're also on iTunes, downloadable as a podcast, and you can do that same thing from our website, StarTalkRadio.net, and we're in the broadcast universe. Mm. So our signal is, in fact, leaving Earth. Leaving Earth. Headed mm. out. We've been on the air for two or three years now, so we're almost reaching Alpha Centauri. Almost. Oh, not quite there yet. <laughs> Alpha Centauri is 4.3 light years away, is the system, the Alpha Centauri system. The nearest star is Proxima Centauri, 4.1 light years away. Proxima. Yes. Now you know. If you want to show off what's the closest star to the sun, no, Proxima. Proxima. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Proxima Centauri. But Charles, the closest star to Earth? The sun. Thank you. He's good. He's good. So uh, we're featuring my interview with Alan Rickman. What an actor that guy is! An, like his Alan voice. Rickman. No, you guys are lame. <laughs> One Alan. No, no, no. Sorry, that was your third attempt. <laughs> you don't get a fourth attempt. Uh, I like knowing what people who are successful in other venues what intrigues them about the natural world, about science. I'm a scientist, so I live it. Some of which I even take for granted. And so I, we just chatted about what kinds of things intrigue him, just as a human being who happens to be an actor. Let's find out what, what rocks his boat. I'm fascinated watching a flock of birds, just knowing all to turn and make 
patterns and what's going on there? Well, okay, so it looks like they all are like computer controlled together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, here's what here's what's interesting. In I mean, our, how do they know? Here's the other question. How do they know they're with more of them anyway? Well, that's a good one. I, I, I have I've always had that same question. Like, how does a fish know? The same with the bird. How does a fish know what other school of fish to hang out exactly. with? Because there are no mirrors under. Right. They don't know. That's I look like me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How would they know? They're just their eyeballs. So that's that. You know, the universe brims with mysteries. Uh, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. But I can tell you with the birds that our sensory system is limited in 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 regimes in 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 sensory regimes so for example have you ever seen the strobe light effect of a drop droplet of water you surely you've seen this the stroboscopic effect of a dropped water in a in a puddle the water comes down and it comes up and it makes like a king's crown yeah with little droplets you don't see that it happens too quickly there's things going on in this world that your brain cannot process because they're happening too fast. So we do it with a TV screen. That fascinates me because that's that's an, uh, we're not seeing a whole picture ever, are we? We're seeing a load of little dots. The TV is exploiting the fact that your brain can't process the information. <laughs> that's the whole thing. <laughs> it knows you're not going to notice it, so it can it can raster. It could do things on a shorter time scale than your brain can process, and your brain makes it all look like it's one. That's the principle of film. You know the old rotoscopes. Is that what they were called? The the the, the Nickelodeon uh, still images, yeah. when combined, you have them go by faster. Yeah. It looks like it's actually moving because your brain can't figure it out. Your brain can't do it. So if you have birds that are ready to flock, all it takes is the movement of one at the front, and every next bird responds to that motion, but it goes quicker than you can actually right. process. And so there they go. It looks like it's one coherent right. thing. And it's just not. But if you could see that at thousandths of a second increments, you'll watch it percolate through the flock. And that behavior would then be apparent. You say, oh, they, they're following the first one and, and everyone next to them. And there wouldn't even be a question. But because our sensory system is restricted, we're left with questions about the functioning of the world that the methods and tools of science then reveal to us. Well, it's like when you hear a piece of music or a song, you're actually never hearing it. Because as soon as the sound's made, as soon as I'm saying this sentence, you're putting these sounds together and making sense of them. It's just a series of abstract noises, and you're remembering the sentence. So we all think that you're hearing me talk, but it's just a, a series of noises. And as soon as I make them, they're gone, like a song, like a piece of piano playing. Yeah, I mean, philosophers have distracted themselves for centuries on that very concern. So the sound comes out, then it vibrates the air, so it's no longer even related to you. It's just air molecules. And they vibrate my eardrum. The eardrum goes into my brain. And then I've, I have training on what those sounds mean. And then I understand what you said. I mean, it's, it's, it's freaky stuff. Very, because it's, it's, it's not live in front of you. As soon as you speak it, it's gone. <laughs> so now we're just working off the memory of what we just heard you say. Yes, and fortunately the memory is long enough to yeah. capture that. If we had really short memories, <laughs> I'd hear your sound and say, who are you? You know, I mean, so we, we live inside these, these time limits and spatial mm. limits. It's one of the great challenges of grasping the scale of the universe. Wow. Man, <laughs> trying to get deep on me there, right? Right, yeah. philosophy, is it there? Is it real? Is it? Well, it's fun. Certainly the flocking stuff is real. What do you know about flocking? What do I know about flocking? earlier. Well, here's the basic point. If you use a very simple computer program, you just enter three simple parameters. 
for every single particle. They don't even have so to. So each bird attention. is a particle in this you example. You imagine that each bird is a particle, and you just ask it to do one of uh, three different things at once. One says separation. In other words, can't get any further apart than any particular. So I hold my distance. Hold okay. your distance. Okay. One is alignment. You got to follow the person's tail. Head, right. You tail, can't tail, fly tail. backwards. You can't fly backwards. Okay. And cohesion, which means that. Everyone around you has got to keep the same distance as well. So not just you, but everybody else. Okay. When you just so, put so, that into so the word cohesion, program. you don't mean glue in this case, right. but it's kind of a visual glue. Exactly. Because if we all know to keep this distance, it looks like we're moving That's together. That's right. Okay. And you put all those three, so what are those three words again? Uh, separation, yeah. uh, alignment, alignment, and, and cohesion. cohesion. By the way, if you're a sphere, in, then alignment doesn't matter. Right. Okay. You put a simple <laughs> computer program, and boom. You can get flocking stuff. You can see stuff that look like bait balls in the ocean, like huge flocks of uh, starlings in the sky, just on your computer screen. The next time you look at a simple screensaver that does those cool dancing, it may well be following one of those three or all three of those at once. So these are the flocking variables. Those are flocking variables. Yes. Okay. Isn't that flocking interesting? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, didn't know you had it in you. Uh, so, I, so I'm this issue, oh, it's no longer there. That, that's he, you know, I don't, as philosophers... The transients, right. Yeah. Well, the thing about old philosophers was they didn't realize that brains are a recording mechanism. We literally record that sound, but in our own way, in an attempt to try to reproduce it in our own heads. The thing is that recording is not permanent. Nowadays, we have things like DVDs or something, which supposedly, as long as you take good care of them, it never degrades, and you can always go back to it and reproduce it exactly. But our brains were designed to record stuff quickly so that we could use it in our survival. So it doesn't matter that whatever made the sound doesn't exist or that the sound doesn't exist, your brain has the full memory That's of it. That's right. right. The recording of so it. So why are philosophers devoting so much ink to this? Well, they don't anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you fixed them, is what you're well, saying. Well, let's just say that early on, like Descartes, you know, I think, therefore, I am a thinking being, that kind of idea. If a tree falls in the woods and no one hears it, it didn't make a sound. The answer is, yes, it made a sound, but no one was there to record it. Uh, and the recording is the uh, thing that we're talking about. Nowadays, so that's a lot of philosophers out of business. Well, I think so. But they've yeah. got plenty of other things to worry about. <laughs> you know that as well as I do. They're always thinking about uh, new things. And Charles, you're like, you're, you're good in so many. I'm looking at your shirt here. Oh. <laughs> uh, you wore a shirt under your shirt. Actually, I am. Oh, yeah, I got to figure that Well, let me just say that. Do you, do you guys ever slip up and say, oh, come on, dude, it's not like it's rocket science. Oh, wait. <laughs> it is rocket yes, science. It is. Actually, we yes, do. Is. This is actually a gift from uh, my brother-in-law who is definitely not a scientist, but he always got a kick out of the fact that he could say, oh yeah, we don't need a rocket scientist. Oh, I guess you can leave the room. So I was like, well, okay, fine. Uh, it's a fun thing to do. So the interesting point about the, the brain being a, a, a place to store a memory of what had just happened and it yeah. gives reality to it, yeah. essentially. So uh, what it means is you could create a whole new reality by changing how memory lives in the brain, in principle. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. If the brain has this kind of uh, malleability, you can create whatever world you want. I guess that's what's the movie. That's uh, that's Total Recall. Total so, Recall. You know that is? Put in a memory, take one out. Right. That's right. Or, or it could be any argument that you ever have with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be nice to erase. <laughs> no, that, that's all part of it. It's built into the whole system, and that's the issue of causality, as well you know, Neil. Well, it's built into the system now, but the more neuroscientists figure out the neurosynaptic causes and effects, mm -hmm. why not just go in and, re and rewrite the disc? Well, it's not a bad idea. And for some here's, people, here's something that philosophers. I have some nice memory. I'm keeping it. <laughs> yes, well, there's a Doctor Who episode that describes that the measure of a man is the sum of his memories, and had to do with that. And nowadays, there's some philosophers are talking about free will in terms of timing, too. Because if something happens before you can think about it, did you actually do it because you want to, or did somebody else or something else force you to do it? 
<laughs> when we come back to Star Talk Radio. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Star Talk Radio. We're back with my series of clips with Alan Rickman, actor extraordinaire. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Now we gave, I gave him three chances to give me a good Alan Rickman impression, but it's failed every time. I'm not even going to go, not back gonna go there. Just no. Don't even know. No. Severus Snape. <laughs> Lady. <laughs> that was my Alan Rickman doing Jerry Lewis. Wow. Not bad. Awesome. That, that's what anyone sounds like doing Jerry Lewis. So just don't. Uh, you can't pull that one on me. So Alan Rickman has done many films at, with completely memorable roles as the, the villain in Die Hard as uh, the, the uh, wine merchant, British wine merchant in Bottle Shock. But perhaps of recent years, he's best remembered for being Severus Snape, a real creepy character in the Harry Potter series. That's right, Harry. I am the Half-Blood Prince. No, I'm sorry. Just like, don't even go there again. It's just, it's not. I'm a scientist. I must continue to strive. No, no I, I have notes here that say that that Snape character was reportedly based on J.K. Rowling, the authors of the series, on her chemistry teacher. Do you have any evidence wow. to back this up? Or I that... particularly don't. But yes, there are various 
fandom type fandom things, things where they where they make these connections. Right. They try they're trying to account for what came out of this woman's head. That's right. right. You that's know, right. you got to dig where you got to go. Right. Yeah, because uh, it's a serious trip. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and the potions teacher, you know, as right. much of all the magicians and the wizards there, he's the most scientific of them all. There's he was a an alchemist. That's right. Oh, he was the alchemist of the day. He was the potions professor. I didn't figure all that out because I just there was too much Harry Potter. I just, I, you had to. I, I, had I understand. To, I, I understand. Had, I understand. Yeah. So, you know, I talk with Alan Riemann about making the Harry Potter series. Just, just to tell me about. It. Just what gives. And so here, here's here we go. So when when you did Harry Potter, did you have to? Did you do research on magic at all? Were you? No, just, not really. There's um, a lot. There's a lot. I mean, it's interesting. So much of that magic is computer graphics, and that is magic. Yeah, and yeah, and absolutely. you know, and we watched. Over the ten years of filming, we started out going on locations. By the end, we were just on a pile of grass at the back of the sound studio. So it advanced even in the in that period. Hugely, oh. didn't have to go anywhere. They just put it all in. Just stand there, and and, and the day will come where they don't even need you. <laughs> they just oh, definitely <laughs> digitize you, and uh, we've got you. Well, look like at those that. films, like Three Hundred or whatever right. it is, where you and the other one, uh, Beowulf. I think that, that was yeah. That was that was an interesting transition there. We'd had quite a lot of those scenes where it's all green screened and there are orange dots for focus. And mm -hmm. well, staggering what can yeah, be done. Yeah. I'm just want to compare fan bases now. The fan base for the sci-fi group and then there's sort of the Harry Potter fan base. Uh, did you feel some allegiance more to one or the other or did, was it all just sort of another the, day on the silver screen? Well, no, I, I, I mean, obviously children grew up with Harry Potter yeah. and um, Galaxy Quest pulls in a wider age range, I should think, because of people who are devoted to Star Trek or, right. or sci-fi generally. Right. And so you've got but to... That's and Star Trek was produced over many, you know, over 30 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The you've movies got a, and you've the got TV. a generation of children who... And now it's all starting again. Now there are kids reading the books from, from the beginning who weren't even born when we started doing the films. And when we started doing the films, there were only three of them written. I think... The, the thing that pulls it all together is good storytelling, and and that's what I'm part of, and that's a kind of magic in itself, uh, of course, because you watch a child, as I often did as these books came out during that 10 years, and they go to a bookshop, this sort of ancient thing that's about <laughs> yeah, what's to that? disappear. <laughs> bookshop. And they buy an actual book, and then you watch somebody's imagination disappear into that book, and that's magic. Yeah, so, so true. So it's all about how to make magic. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I was wondering, you're a fan of the series, if not osmotically through your daughter, but Osmotic. I happen to know you, you know. <laughs> well, uh, Charles I... will be reading passages from this later. <laughs> <laughs> you have your mother's eye. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 Charles, so uh, is there any magic in Harry Potter that you see? Yeah, we can do that scientifically. Yeah, sure. I didn't, I didn't find any. You can fly. Yeah, on a broom? Yeah. No. No, you got that dude that's going at 140 miles an hour flying with jets, right? That's just oh, size. jet, 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 pack. jet pack jet thing pack. going on. This is just a broom pack. It's the same sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Without the exhaust. Yes, that's right. You right, can right. fly and do some light housekeeping at the same time. <laughs> I don't think there's a, anything that cannot be imagined by humans that cannot eventually be done through technology. Like turning someone into a frog? Well, already people do that on TV, right? You've got... David Copperfield or other magicians making you think that you turned a Pearson into a frog. But that's an illusionist. No, no, he does it for real, David Copperfield. Others are illusionists. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand what you're saying, but isn't it always true that things that we thought 
let's let's take Star Trek for example, because after all, Alan Rickman was on that Galaxy Quest uh, movie, which yeah. was the parody. The soul of Star was parody. Trek. The soul, yeah. yes, exactly. Uh, communicators used to be that you could just flip your phone open and go Spock Enterprise. Exactly, mm -hmm. and you could be uh, thousands of miles away from the ship in orbit, and you could actually talk to the person, just go flip like that. And, I, the, and I have to confess, because I, I saw it first run. I'm a little older than you here, <laughs> but both of you. I saw it on reruns. Yeah, yeah. But so I remembered seeing the doors open. Yeah. I, no, no. I said, no, oh, that'll never. Right, and now we go to the grocery not, not store. Not even in the 23rd century, yeah. that'll never grocery happen. Grocery store, the door was open. Somehow warp drives and everything, That's right. that was, I was cool with that. But the, the well, doors, well, right. the automatic doors. They knew that you were walking toward, I couldn't relate That's to that. Right. So don't get your future prediction you've, from me. You've got newspapers that act, that move yeah, in Harry Potter. Yeah, I was Potter, it, except they're on like a loop. That's you right, know, they they're don't on a little keep, loop. Isn't that an iPod nowadays? I mean, it's iPads. When we come back, more with my interview with Alan Rickman and the magic or science of <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> on the web at startalkradio.net. Charles, yes. I brought you on the show. You're an astrophysicist, yes. but you're also like a total expert in so many other things, <laughs> including so the analysis of Harry Potter. Look, Harry Potter's most important relative in the series is named Sirius Black. Sirius, of course, the brightest star in the night sky. Hmm. Sirius has a brother named Regulus Black. Who is also another very bright star? Another, right. another right. relative, a female. Sirius is in Canis Major. It is the Eye of the Dog. Ah. Regulus is one of the stars in the constellation Leo. It's in the paw of Leo the Lion. Paw of Leo. And they have another relative named Bellatrix. Bellatrix. Let me yes. guess. Dog anus. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. She's no. Probably generally stars in constellations are not don't identify the anus. <laughs> okay? They try to use the, the bright star. The bright star is the eye. Eyes, yeah. belts, no That's right. Yeah, no, no, okay. no. Now, Bellatrix is one of the stars in the constellation Orion the Hunter, and it means Amazon or woman warrior. But of course, Bellatrix is a sister named Narcissus which has no star name. And just a Narcissus is, of course, a, based on a plant. Uh, it's a flower that grows over the side. So I, I once tweeted all the names in, in Harry Potter that derive from cosmic sources yeah. or star names. And there's quite a few. So J.K. Rowling must have had Astro 101 yeah, or knew so, her yeah, mythology. Right. There's something. So that's good that when good. people know their science. Yes. And the it si informs their art. Yes. And enriches storytelling. Absolutely. Let's go to my next clip with Alan Rickman about how science literacy can enrich storytelling, particularly in the sci-fi genre. Check it out. I think it's not an accident that some of the most popular movies of all time have had a science fiction foundation to them. You look at uh, the movie with Pandora in it, Avatar. You look at uh, E.T. You, you look at these stories, it, it enables you to reach for places to tell a story that you couldn't maybe tell convincingly yeah. with just ordinary people. But they need great writers and they need great stories. It's very easy to just kind of sling the ingredients together and call it a film. And I think there's a danger of that. When I, when I think back to a film like Alien, which uh, I think was an extraordinary experience to see that when that first came yeah. out. Yeah. And just sit in a, a movie theater and be genuinely terrified. Is there some role, science fiction role, that you think you could or should play or want to play as we go forward? Um, I'm here ready, willing, and able to play anything 
anybody in any story as long as it's well written. And what does that mean? As long as it uses language well, as long as it's got ideas, as long as it's got a point of view, as long as it's not uh, insulting the audience, as long as it's taking them somewhere. And, and as I say, that's a mysterious process. I'm, I'm a good editor of a script, but I have no idea what it means to sit down with a blank piece of paper and come up with a story. But I'm, I'm the servant of it when it arrives. So sure, it absolutely would be something that would fascinate me. That's Alan Rittmageddon. That's pretty noble of him. <laughs> so what I liked about what he said is he doesn't want the script to insult the audience, but he didn't at, at for a moment say that the script couldn't insult him as an actor. He'll That's right. play any role. That's right. That's provided it's that it served the audience. Right. And that was good. It'll take anything yeah, anywhere. That's really important. And science fiction is a tremendous way, just science in general, because there's so much unknown. It's the frontier, and yet there's enough reality in it that we can relate to this unusual environment. So what you're saying is there's enough uh, uh, palette that has been undrawn upon That's right. for you to go places that where otherwise you'd be constricted here on Earth. That's right. That's why you... I put you, words in your mouth, but I think that's you're what you're exactly saying. You're exactly right. You explore the human condition in other worldly environments and it allows you to distill the story that you really want we to can't tell. be the only ones thinking this Chuck, you look at the eight out of the top 10 grossing films of all time i've been sci sci -fi. jurassic park et avatar star wars you just go on down the list it's all sci-fi because well because it also it excites the imagination but i thought i was biased because i'm a scientist and of course i like sci-fi right. but like other folk are into this too no because i mean it's it's the ultimate fantasy think about it to be able, how many people have left this atmosphere and yet you get to go to another galaxy or or beyond? I mean, and then pretty much- 14 people have left the atmosphere. 14 people have yeah. left, that's all? Yeah, that's all. God, that's crazy. Yeah, well, it left to, to another destination. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Not just been up and back. Yeah, yeah. not, not just around, circle around. Driving and, around the driving block. Driving around the block. Right, right. We actually have left yeah. to another Got destination. Got their GPS and went somewhere else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 14 yeah. people. So, I mean, I mean, of course, people look at sci-fi and go, wow, I mean, this would be cool if this could happen. Isn't there incredible comedy and humor in science fiction, too? Well, without a doubt. Being like able the, to just laugh about things that you otherwise couldn't because it's too close to like, home. Like Kirk getting an alien tail when yeah. he goes in the gap. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever, uh, whatever what? unnamed uh, uh, crewman goes down with him is going to die. With uh, a red shirt. With a red shirt. War on <laughs> Alan Rick with my interview with Alan Rickman when we return on Star Talk Radio. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. 
Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. In these lessons, I will attempt to penetrate your mind. You will attempt to resist. Prepare yourself. Let him Feeling sentimental. That's private. Not to me. Not to the Dark Lord if you don't improve. Every memory he has access to is a weapon he can use against you. You won't last two seconds if he invades your mind. You're just like your father. Lazy. Don't say a word against my father. Weak. I'm not weak. Then prove it. Control your emotions. Discipline your mind. We're back on Star Talk Radio, and we've been featuring my interview with uh, actor extraordinaire Alan Rickman. Every role he plays, he owns it. That's true. He, you can't even imagine anyone else approaching the roles that he portrays in his films. He really does make them all his own. Yeah, just I, I guess that's a good thing for directors. I should have brought a director in here to get them to to react to this. But uh, so what I wanted to know from him in my interview was, does he approach a role with any kind of philosophical, like what's what's his muse as he goes in, and are there roles that he feels more comfortable in, or is as an actor he'll take on any challenge at all? I just want to find out, so I asked him. Let, let's. See what he says. Do you have larger philosophical goals in how you portray it? Or do you stay focused just on that character in the context of everything else that happens? Well, I mean, I want to be part of a story. So I suppose I would say I don't know, I don't know how to play a part that isn't involved in a, co a wider context. I need to know who they are and why they are. So, yeah, I... And I would rather the, what, I, what I do doesn't diminish the audience. <laughs> well, I mean, that's an, that's an important statement because mm -hmm. the, in all the roles that I remember seeing you in, you were, in, in a way, bigger than yourself. Not, not in any bravado way, obviously, but just, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I feel that. I see it. I, I, I know somebody kind of like that. And, I, and you know, there, whereas there are others, they come on set and they leave and I don't even remember that they were there. And so... So you're putting something in there that I don't, you don't get with every performer. And, and, and I, and I well, see that. Well, it's a mysterious mechanism, acting and theater and, uh, and, and storytelling. It's, it's mysterious. Uh, and it involves, you know, you make a choice to be an actor. But is it still mysterious to you? You're in it. You're, oh, yeah. you're, you're accomplishing. It's mysterious to me. I tried it. <laughs> I have two cameo roles, and it's like this is hard stuff. And I was playing myself. That's and so, so it's it's. I think it's a mystery to people who don't understand it. It's just that that what's going on there. He's pulling it off and he's making it happen. Just let it run. It, it is a mystery to actors as well, to a large extent. When when you feel it, uh, you know they, they on film they go okay. That's let's move on. Um, Cut, move on when they've got it. Uh, it's often mysterious as to what has happened, if it's all work. So there are pe people who study emotions. They've, they've, uh, 
just learn this that they've they've divided up emotions into seven categories. Only really? seven? Only yeah. seven? <laughs> wow. Well, seven and all are, are Let's combinations. Let's get them now. Uh, <laughs> are combinations of others. So happiness, sadness. I got eight. Happiness, sadness, anger, surprise, fear, disgust, and contempt. Wait, disgust and contempt are very similar. What's the difference? Um, I don't have contempt of food in which I'm disgusted for having eaten. Oh, okay. So okay. I think you can make maps of how these would combine, and a good actor presumably can summon these at any wow. instant. But what's interesting, when you study these across cultures, there's extraordinary similarity. An angry person in one culture looks like an angry person in another culture, right? There's no one smiling out of anger in one place and showing their teeth in another. I mean, there's a commonality across cultures. So this Are you sure? <laughs> so yeah. there's a, there's a, that was a creepy face, Charles. Don't do that again. I don't, was you, that, you're scaring did, me. Did that create disgust? I don't know. That's an eighth it, category here. Charles <laughs> freaking out. Is creepy a category? <laughs> creepy. Creepy. We need creepy here. But his comment, his comment about the mystery of acting is so dead on. It's there's only so a mystery much. because we haven't studied and understood it yet. Are you sure? Not because it's, not because it's mystical or anything. Well, in the same sense that you still really can't tell which painting is more beautiful this Renoir or that Monet. There's an aesthetic to it. Sure, we can try to quantify it scientifically, but is there a part of it that will never, ever be able to be quantified, like I, into these categories? I don't think so. I think we one day we'll put electrodes on Chuck's head, and when he says angry, and I'll see what part his brain lights up, mm -hmm. when he says I'm happy... All of it. <laughs> that wouldn't be useful. The whole brain lights up. Oh my God, his brain is one big giant light bulb. It, it's just one we, we organ. Will, we won't like him when he's angry. <laughs> so I mean, it's just a, it's an intriguing fact yeah. that an actor can summon these emotions on command, deliver them, be convincing about it, and they're not even... Feeling that, unless in any in any derived way, in See, any, a lot of them will say they, they create are the stimulus, right? So nothing external to them right. created the stimulus, right? But they create the stimulus in us. Yes, they themselves, whether or not they feel it, can convince us that they feel it. That's a scientific thing in the receiving side, and that's all the transmission thing. side, which makes the really good, which means they're really good emotional liars. Exactly. I, wonder what, I wonder what it is to be married to an actor. Awful. <laughs> I can't trust them. <laughs> you don't know. Are they lying? Are they telling the truth? Of course, yeah. I still love you, honey. You're my world. <laughs> right, right. It's like not. <laughs> we got to start wrapping this up. My oh, gosh! Oh, this was such fun. a good time. Chuck what a and Charles, Charles and Chuck. <laughs> Thanks for being on Star. You've been on Star Talk before. Yes. This will not be your last time. I Thank promise. Thank you so much. And such Chuck, a pleasure. I'm going to find you on Friday night. So my my sister who loves Home and Garden Television, she's going to find you by accident. That's right. She's going to call me in panic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Will it be creepy when you No, break it in? won't be creepy. Okay. Only if I actually came in your home. Oh, You've okay. been listening to Star Talk Radio, brought to you in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Give it up for the NSF. Yes. I'm your host, astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.